0: With the NFL playoffs going on now in full swing, uh, I, I, I was thinking about this last night, actually in the shower, and it's a kind of a um, it's weird of me saying that I'm thinking, thinking of things in the shower. Uh, but I was thinking, what if you were to compare every single NFL team to a golfer? I was thinking about it, and I was running through it through the line like the Bengals. When you think of them, you think of a uh, a young team with a chip on their shoulder, young coach, kind of kind of eager to win. Thinking of like a team who um who who actually was eliminated this past weekend. Let's say like the uh like the Raiders, a team that that was basically thrown like the kitchen sink in terms of like problems, and somehow managed to make the playoffs and kind of squeak in. Um, could have literally tied with the Chargers to have screwed over a, a couple of teams, but the the Raiders snuck in, made the playoffs, and had everything thrown at them. If you if you were to give me like a a um a golfer that could like compare to that, who would it be?
1: For the Raiders?
0: Yeah, well, yeah like. As somebody who was w- was given so many different things, so many obstacles, and somehow managed to come out on top and stronger, who would you compare Light, Light the Raiders to?
1: I guess John Rom, but they're not good. No, they're like good like Rom. That's the, that's the problem. But if I you're talking about sim- sim- simply just like things that got thrown in their face or problems, probably Rom would. Would be the one that guy that comes to mind ahead of everyone.
0: Yeah, else. but like, but but at the same time though, John Rahm is like is the greatest player in the world.
1: Like, uh, unless that's like, what I'm saying. You know, he he comes to mind as the guy who took got the most like shit thrown at him. You know that shit at the fan and he had to deal with it. But the Raiders are definitely no John Rahm. I can tell you that much.
0: I think I think Matthew Wolf fits pretty well there. A guy who had a lot of different problems coming out of the U.S. Open uh, back in 2021 in September. Took like a three-month three hiatus for mental health. I think that that's a pretty big deal. Just ha- had a lot of different like problems and came back strong. And um, he's made he, he's made a couple of th- couple of uh, top 10s since his return. But I think Matthew wolf fits kind of in there. But I wanted to talk about the about the teams that are currently in the playoffs. Already had super wild card weekend uh, in the past. Obviously, we're recording today on Monday, so the Rams and uh, the the Rams and Cardinals are, are still yet to play. But I want to go down the line here, and I want to start off with that Cardinals Rams matchup. Let's like run through some like some players who link up to these teams. And when I think of the Cardinals, I think of Scotty Scheffler. I think of a guy who is a bomber. They love to they love to throw a deep. Cliff Kingsbury is all about throwing the deep ball. They're a very aerial offense. They have a lot of weapons. Granted, Hopkins is out, but they have Zach Ertz, they have Rondell Moore, they have uh, Christian Kirk, an aerial offense with, with two with two elite catching catching running backs. I think Scotty Scheffler kind of fits that because he's young, he's a bomber, he 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 doesn't really have the recognition yet because they haven't like won a won a big game, he hasn't won a tournament. So I think Scotty Scheffler is a pretty uh, is a pretty good pickup there. But what do you think of the Rams?
1: For the Rams, I I like the Scotty Scheffler comparison. I do for the Rams. I think they're a lot like a Victor Hovland. The Rams are probably the most well-rounded team in the entire league, and Victor Hovland is one of the most well-rounded golfers out there. So that fits the mold. Um, they're as far as like being notable and being good. The Rams are, are are kind of pretty new on the scene, but they've been around here for like a couple of years, where they've been made made it to the Super Bowl consistently, making it to the playoffs over the last. Four or five years and whatnot. Hovland has been doing that for the last three years of his career. Um, he, he's a guy who's a little bit flashy, um, very very chill. That that LA vibe I think fits with that pretty pretty well. And a team you want you just want to root for. You don't know why you want to root for them, but you just do. So that that's that's Victor Hovland. You
0: know, ironically, I actually picked Victor Hovland more as a guy like the Bills. Granted, like I think the connection's a little bit stronger with Buffalo, a because he's Norwegian, so naturally he lives in a cold, a cold place. Victor the Viking kind of works out for for the uh, the frigid cold of the Buffalo uh, of the Bills Mafia playoff. The over. Viking
1: and the Bill, what? What? You said the Viking?
0: Yeah, so yeah, so so they call him Victor the Viking. He, he I he, know, like, I know, but he's like he's Norwegian. Like,
1: already I, a named the Vikings, so that's that's no, a that's a little, that's a little like no, I know,
0: but but what I'm saying is like cold weather guy. Growing up as a kid, has is young, is talented, is an overall really good player. I think the Bills kind of have that fit too. Josh Allen is a leader of men. He's a he, he's a guy who you look at and you immediately see a strong runner, a good uh, a, a good presence with the football, a smart mind. I think everything kind of wraps into that that Victor Hovland mode. So I th- I think Hovland's actually a better Bill than he would be a Ram, but that that's just Ooh, I don't know about. I'm I down. disagree
1: with that. Hovland. We, we, the thing about it is, you might you can say that he's from nor 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 like nor, The helps. But no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Where, where I'm going to disagree with you is if you look at Victor Hovland, you if you had to guess where he was from, and you didn't you didn't hear him speak, you didn't you didn't know anything about him you would think like southern or west coast you definitely wouldn't think Uh, yeah Uh, east coast like north you wouldn't you wouldn't you would think something more or tropical where um maybe where weed is legalized potentially that's that's what you would think of when you think of victor hopper so that's that's kind of what i what i feel like when when i look at the rams they you know they're they're a very what there's a west coast team with a lot of potential um, been, they just came onto the scene the last like four to five years. Same with Victor. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I just think Hovland represents the Rams very well.
0: So, alternative to the Bills, they're playing the Chiefs uh, ne- next weekend. Who do you think is a good fit as the Kansas City Chiefs?
1: Ooh, for the Chiefs, this one, this one was tough because this one had a, had a lot of fits. Um, I wanted to go with a higher profile player for a higher profile team who over the last three years outside of this season has dominated the NFL. And that's going to be the uh, Kansas City Chiefs is Dustin Johnson, a guy who has been there, done that world number one, 2017, world number one again in 2020, the best player on the planet. Um, At the top of his game, we knew that nobody was going to beat him better than Many versions of many players we've ever seen outside of maybe Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Jack Nicklaus. That's about it. Maybe, maybe you could say he might even be better than those guys. So for for me, it's going to it's going to be Dustin Johnson. Um, he's fallen off his game a little bit similar to the Chiefs, but he has that internalized swagger, that's similar to how um, Patrick Mahomes operates. And uh, he kind of he kind of sets the tone for the team. Andy you also gives me some Dustin Johnson vibes, kind of a guy who who, who sits there, uh, plays with the media with his, uh, um, I don't know, short remarks. But they uh, always get some laughs out of out of the members of the uh, journalistic media. So I don't know. I, I see a lot of, of Dustin Johnson in the uh, leadership of the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Dustin Johnson gives you Andy Reid vibes or, or vice versa?
1: uh just just personality it's it's a feel thing it's a feel thing yeah if you ever see justin johnson communicate when he's not on the golf course um that reminds me a lot of andy reed if, if you've ever heard dustin johnson in an interview um the answers that he gives um very like andy reed was asked like what do you want to do now that you won the super bowl he's like oh i want to eat a cheeseburger or some shit like that like that's something that dustin johnson would say
0: so you know it's funny and Again, this is this is now the second time we're doing this. This is, this is totally unplanned. I think Dustin Johnson is more of the Buccaneers, and here's why. Over the last three years, they've been there. They've done that. They've won a Super Bowl. They beat Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs. They, they have their ring. Tom Brady is the elder statesman who's, who's like ancient and has already been there, won all of his titles, and, and he's kind of just in, in relaxed mode now down in Florida. I think Dustin Johnson is the same kind of guy, 37 years old, has had some really elite seasons, was the world number one. But I think in relation to this year, the Buccaneers are kind of like taking that their the way I see it, they're, they're taking a back seat to teams like the Packers, where everyone's like, Oh, Aaron Rodgers has to win a Super Bowl this year. So I think they're kind of playing second fiddle almost and sort of sitting in the background and kind of just waiting for their 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 time to attack the Packers. And the Packers, probably not, not to spoil it, but I'm gonna assume. You put down like John Rom as the Packers. I think Dustin Johnson is a perfect fit here as the world number three has already fallen off in that world number one because of John Rom, and he's waiting for his point to attack once more on a guy like that. So I think I think DJ is more of the Bucks, but but I'm I'm, I'm going to give you a, a double dose
1: here: the Titans and the Bengals. See you. You made you made that one. You made a, you made a much better point. The one thing I will say is that DJ has been doing it for years. The Buccaneers like just arriving on the scene. I, like yeah, two, yeah, two, yeah. But but two, it,
0: in terms of recency bias, I do think that that the the Buccaneers last three years of success behind Tom Brady really is kind of the driving force.
1: So now I'm going. I'm, I got the Titans and the Bengals. Correct.
0: Yeah, back to back for you.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So for the Titans, um, I liken them to a Louis Hazen. Uh, here's the reason why. Um, <laughs> Get, getting so close but never actually winning. Yes, that that you know, it's it seems it seems like they're always a fringe playoff team, but they can never they can never really do the damage that their fans want them to do, and and that's that's the first thing. Um, but but they're always they're always a solid ball put together football team, at least in the last five years or so, you could say. Um, I, I really I really feel a lot of. Um, Frustration coming from uh, Titans fans about their team, but at the same time, the team is is kind of just relaxed. And I feel like people who root for Louis Ousès and they're waiting for that breakthrough, waiting for that breakthrough, just hasn't come yet. Um, but Louis himself, you know, he, he's calm, composed. Um, he, he knows he knows what 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 to do and when to do it, how to get things done. And that win, that big win, is going to come for him. Um, similar to how it did in two thousand eleven or twelve, whenever he won. The British, it's gonna come again. I don't know if it's gonna be this year. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be, um, but it, it is. It is on. It is on the horizon. I'll say
0: very, that. very well. Might happen at uh, at St. Andrews. Same time ten years ago happened. Might happen again. Just saying.
1: <laughs> so I got now. I'm looking at the Bengals, right? Um, I actually had Hovland here for a second for the Bengals, and then I thought thought about it a little bit more. Um, and even though they haven't had. That much success. I did like Colin Morikawa as a comparison to the Bengals. Um, reason why for that um, is Colin. Uh, I picture. I see. I see a lot of Joe Burrow in him, similar to the way I see a lot of Dustin Johnson and Andy Reid. Um, wild comparison. I see. I see a little bit of Joe Burrow. Um, In Colin Morikawa, Colin, obviously, I think is a little bit more of a relaxed kind of guy. Um, But I I get the same kind of feeling from both those guys. You know, they're both winners. They both um, have been been used to winning and winning early on in their career. Um, Obviously, um, having maybe the best college quarterback season we've ever seen. Um, And then Colin Morikawa having one of the greatest years we've ever seen from a year Three pro or, or whatever he was when he when he won um, the PGA and then uh, went on to have the uh, world number two ranking year that like he did last year. Um, I see, I just see a few comparisons there. Um, I'm not the most confident about this one, but I could say at least with the with the with the quarterback to uh, golfer comparison, I could see that.
0: All right, last two teams, real fast. We have the uh, the final matchup: Packers and the Niners. I'm going to start start off with of the Niners. I think Xander Shawfla is perfect here. Gotten so close when they lost to the Chiefs, cannot win that that big major. Can't get it done. I think Cantlay also sort of fits here as somebody who has won a ton uh, in the past. Obviously the the, the, the '90s Niners were amazing um, with, with with Montana and Rice and uh, and Young, but Schaufley recency has came so close, top five for every major, but simply can't win it. So so that's my guy. Who's your final guy for the Packers before before we head home?
1: For the Packers, this is the one I, I was—I was the most happy about, and I, I was almost going to go with Harris English for the Titans, and that was going to be the one I was really happy about. But this is the one that that I'm—I'm I'm, like pumped about. So, Packers. Um, their the entire their entire being is Rory McIlroy, um, a, a, a player who was the best player of uh, his time, early 2010s. Um, after Tiger kind of had that fall off. He was the guy who stepped up and he, made, he he carried the PGA Tour for a while. And the Packers, the Packers have carried the NFL for a while, one of the most historic franchises. And Aaron Rodgers himself um, has been carrying the NFL for the better part of the 2010s decade. Obviously, you know, Tom Brady and, and uh, Peyton Manning were with him for that ride. Um, but, you know, he's, he's been a guy who's been a big part of the league. Um, they haven't had a lot of success recently. Um, some behind-the-scenes issues, and I feel like Rory's had a lot of swing changes, change up a swing a number of times, and a lot of people think that's the reason why he uh, he hasn't gotten back to that glory of the early 2010s. Um, but he's he's returning to form now, and we've seen it last year getting that win that he had um, at the end of the season, and then. It, Obviously, people are expecting big things from this season, just the way the Packers are expected to do big the big things this season. So I like that comparison a lot.
0: Solid all right. Pretty good segment there. All right, let's hop right on into the big stuff. Yeah, no! Welcome in, folks, to the Get in the whole podcast. Stephen McEvoy, John Mavalia here. The American Express. We're back in the homeland, John. Two weeks hiatus out in Hawaii, but we're back in Los Angeles, California. It's going to be a big week for the first time back in the mainland, but what happened in Hawaii the last two weeks has been something only you could find in a storybook. Cameron Smith goes 34 under par. He smashes the all-time uh, score-to-par record. Three guys break the break the course record at Kapalua: JT, Matt Jones, and John Rahm. And then this past this past Sunday, literally a couple of days ago, Hideki Matsuyama from almost out of nowhere comes in five stroke deficit on Sunday, beats out Russell Henley. Craziest stat that I that I read: Russell Henley didn't trail a single person for 36 holes, and he still lost. That's like throwing a no hitter and losing. Via via Kyle
1: do. Porter of uh, I think the CBS network. Did you say
0: that, dude? I, it it's absolutely hilarious how yeah. Russell Henley came so close and yet wasn't able to come kind out of clutch. That that first of all, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. That second stroke uh on the par five 18th in the playoff was beautiful into the sunset into the sunlight. He couldn't even see it. The fans are all just screaming the second it hits the green, to within I don't know three feet. Absolute tap in for an eagle. So Hideki Matsuyama takes home the big win. Really interesting fact, though, about the Sony Open: the first Asian player to ever win on tour won at that same golf course 55 years ago,
2: Weird
1: and
0: enough. now it, it happened with Hideki Matsuyama to finally get that big win at the Sony Open. So I want to lead off with that qu- with that big question: with the history behind all this. Now Matsuyama's second win of the uh, second win of the year. His first win came back in October at the Zozo Championship, of course, in his native Japan. Uh, it's, it's his third win in the last year and a half. First win came with the Masters, the Zozo, and now at the Sony, all of which are actually really iconic for him because, first of all, first Japanese player to win the Masters, first, uh, first Japanese player to win the Zozo in his homeland, and now you're winning in an Asian-Pacific area where, yeah it's, yeah, it's still the U.S., but it's the, it's the nearest golf course you're going to get outside of Kapalua to Japan and to the Philippines and to, to the, to the Asian-Pacific area. And this is actually a, a course we talked about it um, on yesterday's live stream. That it's a course where a lot of Asian tour players come on because they can get certain exemptions. And so, for example, the world number one, the world number one amateur, Kita Nakajima, was there. He watched uh, Matsuyama's round in person, followed along with him, uh, gave him a big hug, shared a couple selfies at, afterwards. And Matsuyama said, "Like, hey, your presence there kind of pushed me. So thank you for that really wholesome moment." But Hideki Matsuyama now seven career wins. Over twenty globally has the one major. Can we kind of drop this up now as saying both men and women might be the greatest Asian golfer of all time?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I was talking about it last night um, when we were when we were live, and I think it's definitely something that you could consider. And I think I, I would have no problem with somebody saying this. I, I I myself believe that he is the greatest Asian player of all time right now. Um, of course, you know there there's been a, a lot of a lot of great players that that come to mind. Um, from asia so it, it's not something that is set in stone you know but for right now he's for sure the front runner um anything can happen obviously there's a lot of talent it Was cool seeing him with his countrymen like you said last night getting to share that moment but I, at least on the men's side you know i think i think for sure he's got to be the front runner for the greatest asian player of all time one more win you got to think he's going to get that even at 29 years old his whole career ahead of him uh, to surpass KJ Choi. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to see what happens. But as of right now, and with that major, I think he uh, he might be the greatest Asian player of all time.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't taken a deep dive into the numbers here, but I, I believe in Bay Park, uh, the LPGA Korean, I think she has like seven majors. So that in and of itself is incredibly impressive. Uh, <laughs> but, but but most certainly for the men's side, he surpassed guys like, like KJ Choi and others as being the greatest Asian male player. Uh, of all time, the the list is actually pretty short among the men's side. Um, Asian golf has only really started to become uh, a major a major factor in uh, Japanese culture in the last uh, twenty years. um So to have somebody who's only thirty years old who, who still has plenty of life in him, the guy's absolutely nuking three woods uh, across the course as you saw yesterday. I think I think you can most certainly jot him down as the best male player, female uh, female and male. I'm gonna have to look a little more into that, but. You can, you can most certainly say it. Hideki Matsuyama is so much ahead of him. Um, still, only at, at again, 30 years old, sub-30 years old. This guy has so much potential to even grow on. Hey, he has one major already. He can get three or four mm-hmm. by the end of this, especially if the courses fit fit his style well, which you can look at the um, the future courses. We have one in 2026 over by us, Shinnecock Hills, a course that fits Hideki Matsuyama to a T. I don't see why he can't win, win, win a, a big tournament like that there, I think it's only a, a matter of time. But what happened to Hideki this past weekend? Erasing a, a, a five-stroke deficit, came back against Russell Henley, who had who held the five-stroke lead going into Sunday. There was a lot of factors that kind of that brought him to that point. And we had mentioned it on the show. Henley played a really good front nine, all four rounds. Back nine was not very strong on that Sunday. That 18th hole, a par five. Uh, I believe Henley shot par, eagle, par. Matyama went birdie, birdie, birdie. Fourth round went birdie, playoff went eagle. So already had a super strong back nine. I want to get a little more into the numbers here um, on how Wiley Country Club was really a, um, what holes were a deciding factor here. I want to get your take first. What were some holes, some factors that happened at the course that really kind of made the round, um, or the whole weekend, uh, I should say, kind of how it played out? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, some specific 18 was obviously that hole where people were gaining strokes going in, going into the clubhouse after round one, two, three, four, uh, etc. And you saw how important that hole was uh, literally in the playoff and on the very last hole um, of the 72 hole round itself. Um, for me, that has that has to be the, the biggest thing. There were a lot of opportunities on the front nine. People were killing on the front nine all weekend long going under par on the front um, and then on the back, it, it just came down to if you can get a birdie or two here, a birdie or two there. Um, the, uh, and then that par five on 18 was really where guys were going into the clubhouse feeling like, OK, I just picked up a stroke. I just picked up two strokes or I just missed a stroke. I just missed out on two strokes, whatever it was. You know, that's that really gets into people's heads and it makes golf 10 times more of a mental game, because now you're thinking about something um, that already happened while you're off the course after your round is completed. Completely finished.
0: I, I think what's fascinating, actually, that this weekend, and I'm looking at the numbers here currently. Ironically enough, the 18th hole only yielded four eagles the entire weekend. Two of them went to Russell Henley, and one of them went, I believe, I uh, might have actually been to Cam Smith early on. The ninth hole actually yielded 10 eagles, which was more than double the 18th, and there were only 15 eagles the entire course. There was one. There was obviously the one ace on 17 that, that was from Jim Furyk on day one, where he shot where he shot the opening round. 62. the scoring average across the whole entire course if you look only four only three holes played played higher than par that was the 13th first 11th and 12th, and, and second so the first two holes were, were clearly a major implicator for how you're gonna do for the whole round if you can go out there and be unscathed um, you would certainly be able to, to figure things out there were actually more bogeys on holes 13 one ele- uh, 13 1 11 two and 17. Than there were birdies or eagles. So it goes to show you that 13-1, 11-2, and even 17 to a degree were very deciding holes. The 16th was a very interesting one because we had, we, we had mentioned to it that opening tee shot, most guys were landing in the bunker. A lot of those stand shots, actually according to Data Golf, if you landed in the bunker, you were actually three times more likely to save par than if you were to land in the rough on any part of that hole. So the 16th hole was also a, a very big implicator. If you were to actually miss the fairway, it depends on, on where you're scrambling out of. If it was the rough, you were screwed. If it was the bunker, you're actually in a pretty good spot. So, so those were a few holes that actually stood out to me. But the but the 18th, while it's a pretty long hole, it's like 557 yards, sorry, 551, only had four eagles on the round, was only playing about .67 lower um, than its par-5 rating. So we're, there were plenty of birdies, but a lot of guys actually were laying up. You didn't see a lot of eagles um, the whole way through, which is surprising for for – how Hideki Montella played that th- that final playoff hole where he went three-wood off the tee um, in the playoff. On 18, in regulation, he went driver, absolutely smashed it, Mo- mostly because he had to, because he had to make eagle in order to um, force the playoff, eagle or birdie. Obviously, Henley uh, parred the hole, Montella birdied, they went to the playoff, and so on. But very interesting the way Montana played it, going three-wood, three-wood, and then managed to get it that close um, for the eagle putt to, to win it because you, a, a, you didn't see a lot of guys pull out three-wood uh, th- the whole week. N- then again, I don't really know if a lot of guys can actually reach that far. It was about 287 yards on Matsuyama's second shot into the green, which if you can get it to, to within three feet from 287, I think you pretty well deserve to win uh, the week on that one. So congratulations to, to Hideki Matyama. I we'll want to get one final thing in before we take a break here. Our bet buster at the Sony Open, we talk a lot about, about our beer money plays. We had some guys who played significantly well. I want to get your, your your pick here. Who was the guy who came in this week at really low odds and really shined uh, and broke a lot of guys' um, bets?
1: Uh, broke bets? Like, or made bets?
0: Well, so, so for, for example, if you're, if you're going with a uh, a DFS lineup, a lot of guys um, came in really low odds, not a lot of money on them. Maybe you put some down. Maybe you won big. Maybe you actually had somebody in a DFS oh, yeah. who, who you, you who you had for a top ten? For example, Corey Connors, who who actually fell off and finished eleventh because this right. guy came in and stole his spot.
1: I seriously, I seriously. Um, well, Russell Lee is the, the biggest one to me, obviously. Um, I think a lot of, everybody had in favored for a top ten this week. Um, you picked him for a top twenty, I believe. Um, so obviously, no surprises with him being uh, in that category, but for him to um, lead the whole tournament for uh, two plus days. Um, I believe that's accurate yeah, because he led all two rounds, all the final two rounds, and like um, at least at least majority of that um, that Friday. He he's the first guy that comes to mind, and then Matt Kucher was another guy who who people were looking at prior to the event. Um, I don't think a lot of people would have pulled the trigger on him, but the ones who did, um, they were definitely definitely uh, happy with how that turned out. Um, and then uh, maybe uh, maybe Jason Kokrak. He's probably in the area of where everybody thought he would be. Um, but at the same time, you know, he came through with that top twenty finish, playing some decent golf at, at a course that maybe you wouldn't think fits him. But he's he's he's. Been a better putter recently, um, and that's what's going to keep him in these events like this. Uh, but the biggest guy um, who probably made a lot of people very, very happy, um, Ryan Palmer, um, a very, very good sleeper pick. Uh, he came um, top 12, so if you place money on him to come top 15, top 20, whatever it was, um, you're probably pretty happy with yourself right now because he was a good good sleeper pick for this weekend.
0: I, I'm very happy with one guy and one guy only. I was um, recording for my other podcast, Making Birdies, or Ryan Byrne. He had bought up a guy. We're talking about it before the show started, and he goes, you know, I'm going to throw a long shot play out here. He had Webb Simpson to win. Webb didn't really play well, but his long shot to win, and I said, you know what? I'm going to throw some money down uh, this week. Seamus Power came in at plus plus seven seven 750 odds to place top five. I put a th- I put five bucks down on-, on Power for a top five. What did he do? Finished top three. <laughs> Payout there was forty-two dollars in in pocket. Paid off for basically all my lost bets that I had for uh, for wildcard weekend. I came in at plus twenty-seven hundred to even make the top uh, to even make a win at this event. Came in as a long shot. He he turned out really well. Actually, and then another guy too, Kevin Kisner. Back to back weeks, pretty hot stuff from uh, from Kevin Kisner. Back to back top tens for him. I'm very uh, I'm very I'm very impressed with his game. We talked about, about about him with the Ryder Cup stuff and how he had some comments to say about it. He's certainly putting up a case now, already early on in the year, to be considered for a uh, President's Cup run. But th- those are my guys who really broke some uh, some bets uh, at the Sony Open and put some money, put some money in our pockets. Aside from the live betting that me and Kyle had on uh, on Hideki going into 18. We're going to take a short break, folks. When we come back, we're going to break down everything for the American Express. Three golf courses, four days. It's going to be a wild ride. Stay tuned.
2: The Get in the Hole podcast is sponsored by Tomahawk Shades, the best eyewear in the game. Tomahawk Shades is making sure that when you tee off on hole number one, your eyes are well protected from the sun as soon as you hit hole 18. Tomahawk Shades, founded by two brothers on Long Island to make sure that you're getting a quality product for an affordable price and not spending an entire two weeks paycheck on one pair of sunglasses and you're looking styling and profiling on the golf course. And say you're at home watching the PGA Tour, they got the Blue Light Plus glasses to protect your eyes from those violent blue lights that come from your TV. Go to TomahawkShades.com right now, fill up your cart for the golf season, get the sunglasses, the Blue Light Plus glasses, and anything else you need while you're out on the course so that you look the best and you can live up to the look good, feel good, play good moniker that we live by here in the underground. And when you go to check out, use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com, and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order, and all All orders qualify for free domestic shipping. Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for sponsoring the Get in the Hole podcast. The Get in the Hole podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. That's right. Stateside Vodka is the official vodka of the Get in the Hole podcast. Guys, they're headquartered in old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're right in our backyard. They are seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. And get this. Stateside Vodka is blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market blended with electrolytes on the same mineral composition found in that sports drink that starts with a G, and it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. They've also won awards for best packaging in the world. Who doesn't love a winner? And as you guys are listening to this, Stateside Vodka has got you ready for the summer. They just released... The vodka sodas in the cans. They are in the vodka soda game. Stateside Vodka is taking things to the next level with their vodka soda variety pack. It's easily the drink of the summer. So go to statesidevodka.com right now. Get the vodka sodas. Get your vodka. They even have the bourbon in stock. And when they do, you don't want to miss out on that. It is very limited. So get your hands on everything that Stateside has to offer. And when you go to checkout, make sure you have those one liter bottles in your cart so you can help us out, pay some bills. Use our code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, guys, as always, please drink responsibly.
0: PGA West, the Jack Nicholas tournament course at PGA West and La Quinta Country Club are playing hosts to the American Express Tournament. We're going all the way out to La Jolla, California for a wild four-day event. The first time we're going to have a three-course rotation this season. We're going to see that a couple more times this year. But we're going to break down everything about these three courses. We're going to talk specific holes, the grass, the par, the pars. Everything's going to be absolutely incredible. Par 72 for all three courses, all of them weighing in at roughly 7,100 yards, give or take about 50 for each. But three very different courses that you don't really think about very much. You have the stadium course, the tournament course, and then, of course, La Quinta Country Club, the Trent Jones design as opposed to the Pete Dye design for PGA West. John, what do we need to know going into the American Express?
1: yeah like you said par 72 for every single one 7200 yards for just about every single one um Bermuda grass for every single one desert style golf every single one um it's gonna remind you maybe a little bit of what we saw at Palmetto some of those other like desert style courses um a little bit of that um but literally uh, it, it's 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 gonna be a low 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 scoring affair um, as are a lot of these early events um, in the 2022 season and any season. Um, Peak eye design, like you mentioned, uh, trend design as well for these courses. Um, it's going to be, uh, weather might be an issue depending on the wind on some of these courses. It might make it a little bit harder to play. Um, and if you were to look at the past winners and whatnot, you would see discrepancies in um, the winning score due to that wind, that, that wind factor. Um, and it's, that, that's sort of what we saw a little bit two weeks ago. Um, At the Tournament of Champions over at Kapalua, where um, we were saying if there's wind, you know, there's going to be some not so low scores, maybe around 20 under par. But if if there's no wind, you know, we're going to see scores well, well below 25 under par. And that's exactly what we saw three people breaking uh, or tying or breaking the record um, two weeks ago. So I don't know if I don't think I'm going to be breaking any records this weekend, but we're going to see a lot of low scores, a lot of birdies Um, putting is going to be the difference for a lot of these guys Um, off the tee, the rough isn't going to be super, super penalizing or anything like that. I see the longer hitters having the slightest, slightest advantage might not even matter that much to be quite honest with you. Um, But if you're one of those guys who wants to know. There might be the ever so slightest advantage for a longer hitter, uh, but you're going to see a lot of guys clubbing down off the tee. Pete Dye um, obviously loves to put bunkers and then hazard areas um, near, landings, near landing landing areas um, for a driver off the tee. Um, so you're going to see a lot of people clubbing down. strokes and approach will be the most important statistic, as we always say. Um, so yeah, you're, you're going to see a lot, a lot of the same, a lot of the same kind of stuff we always see, um, but a lot, a lot of It Should be a fun weekend. Um, at this pro-out event, but we're really only going to be looking at the pros this weekend.
0: You know, the, the course is kind of uh, – it, it's interesting because we've had a lot of players compare Obviously, Obviously, Dye courses are all very similar in nature. Like you said, a lot of uh, fairway bunkers right towards the landing area, so you got to be very precise where you are. Tight fairways, so fairway uh, regulations are going to be very important. Penalizing rough. Jason Kokrak, a uh, couple, couple of years ago – compared a lot to, our, to the RBC Heritage uh, down at Harbor at, at Harborhead, which is actually where he won last year, ironically. Two very similar courses. But the weather, though, is actually really a, um, a factor that I'm looking at this week. No rain in the forecast yet, but we are still in the heat of winter. I, I understand we're in California, but a lot of the guys are going to be having 8 a.m. tee times. You might be seeing guys tee off on the first hole in, in a hoodie, and by the end of the ninth, you might be, you, they very well m- might be in those short, uh, short sleeve polos. It's going to be 47 degrees in the morning every single day. Good wind chill, five to 15 miles an hour every day. Certain courses are going to have a little more wind than others. They're saying the stadium course is going to be a little more windy, being that it's more towards the water. Uh, but there, there's water draped all over this golf course as a penalty, as well as bunkers. Some compare it; it's kind of like, it's basically a poor man's sawgrass when you think about it. Um there are some of those design um, techniques again a pe a, a peat, a peat die course at TBC Sawgrass. it's the same thing just on the different uh, different coastline so I'm looking at a couple of different factors here the big five stats though that I'm going that, that I'm going in with obviously short skiing approach is the most important thing we always talk about that there's no denying that but actually it's a little different than usual I usually talk hint in on certain uh, proximities when we're talking about these uh these courses, long, long iron players between 150 and 175, short guys between 100 and 120. Actually, none of that really applies um, out here in La Quinta this weekend. I'm going to go Strosky and approach. Obviously, it's paramount. Strosky and putting is Bermuda grass. They're lightning fast. The wind's going to be a factor as well. So look at those fast putters to really thrive here. It's going to be a birdie fest, and this is really where the numbers come down. Opportunities gained and birdies or better gained. How are guys at A, hitting the greens, and B, capitalizing other opportunities. If you can get it close every single time, we've seen scores 22, 24, 26 under. Uh, the last three years, we've gone 26, 26, 23 under par. And, and these are these also aren't really from guys who are incredibly long hitters. Like you said, a long hitter may have an advantage to a degree. Um, we've seen guys win at, win at the score, Jason Duffner, Patrick Reed, John Rom, Hudson Swafford, some long players. But then you've also seen, seen some shorter guys who – don't have the power but are good precision wise Adam Long um, Andrew Landry Siwoo Kim from the last uh, from the last 3 years and of course Bill Haas uh, as well so the last 5 years 6 years the the winning circle has been very very different which is why there are two numbers that I'm sp- that I'm specifically targeting obviously the opportunities gained is important fairways and regulation guys need to hit the fairway if you don't you are screwed there's nothing more there's nothing more to say about it Guys who can keep it well in the fairway on these tight die design courses thrive in these conditions. I'm looking for a guy like Scotty Scheffler, a really good hitter, a long guy who's also very accurate. Corey Connors, a long guy who's accurate. You cannot have guys who are, who are going to be spraying it all over the course; they're not. They're simply not going to be uh, play well. Final thing here again: it's going to be a birdie fest. Par three scoring; it almost seems like like, like a like a gimme when talking about. Needing certain scores to win, um, if it's going to be a birdie fest, you gotta you have to score well on par threes. The par fives are not eagleable to a degree; they're they're much more birdie uh, they're much more birdie opportunities than, than there will be eagles. So converting those birdies on the on the, on the layup holes, like the par threes that are all short, you should be able to uh, walk home and walk out, out of La Quinta with a pretty big one. That's that, that that's just the way I see it. But again, it comes down to the opportunities, the strokes gained approach, and those fairways. They're going to be an absolute killer.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the par threes is uh, another thing that that's worth mentioning as well. Um, like you said, they're all really, really short. If you're you're going to pin it close with with a wedge or, or a short iron and make the putt, you know, you're you're going to be that's where you're going to be making a lot of your money. You know, I'm not saying that there are there's a lot there's a decent amount of short par fours and short par fives um, that are, are birdie opportunities are going to be a plenty with them. But the par threes, like you said, they're all short. They're all pretty, pretty easy. We don't know what the pin locations are going to be. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be maybe – I mean, three courses is tough, so maybe it's going to be against the player's favor. But I really don't know. As long as the pin locations are gettable, those par threes, we're going to see a lot of birdies um, and a lot of darts thrown into the goes greens for sure.
0: Before we move on here to our hot and not picks this week, I, re- I want to really hint in on these three courses. So – the last time we saw this I, I can't really tell you when exactly but i remember last year at, at pebble beach they had instead of the pro am they played nine they played all four rounds two would be played um, alternatively two at spyglass two at, two at pebble and it would alternate every every other day so uh, so half the field would go to spyglass half the field would go to pebble and it would alternate every single day until till the cut line when then you play the third round at spyglass and the fourth at pebble beach the scoring metrics were so different on both courses because certain guys just simply played, played better in certain conditions. There were not many guys who would go to one course and go 17 of 18 in greens and reg and then follow it up with a 7 of 18. There were a lot of different um, scoring metrics that, that really made it different. How much do you think the three-course style is going to kind of shake things up, being that you're going to have only one course, which, which isn't even determined yet, is going to be the, B, the final course on round four?
1: So okay, so they they did determine it. It's going to be the the first one. It's going to be the uh which one, um not the Nicholas one, not the CC one. The oh, stadium gonna be the, course. It's going to be yeah, the stadium five, course. that's gonna be played um of one of the three rounds, depending on on what which which you're assigned um for the first three days, and then the last round is going to be that course. Okay. Um, but the yeah three style course, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be something that. Um, is not normal for these players. I don't think it's going to affect them um, as much as maybe we might think from an outsider's perspective. But one thing I'll say for sure, there's definitely guys who are more fond of this event than others, and it shows um, in in the finishes if you go back years, um, five years, 10 years, and you look at how guys are finishing, you can kind of tell which players um, kind of like the, the three-course style um, and which players aren't as keen to it or, or might not fit their game as well. But all these courses, you know, the, the, like, like we were talking about, they're fairly similar. <coughs> um, while it might be a little bit harder to look at certain statistics this weekend um, than it is at maybe other two-course events or three-course events, um, you're still going to be able to draw um, decent conclusions um, and good uh, estimations on, on what might happen um, based on what statistics you you talked about just uh, five ten minutes ago. So it's going to be pretty predictable, um, but uh, not as predictable as a one course event for sure from a fan's perspective, and similar from a player's perspective.
0: Let's get into our hot and not players of the week. Who's hot? Hideki Matsuyama. There's no way. There's no way around it. The guy's been on absolute fire. The first player with two wins on the PGA Tour season and only seven events. Fastest player that back-to-back wins since Tiger Woods and when else his 2001 season. Who's not? I'm saying Emiliano Grio, Three straight missed cuts. Uh, dating back to Mayakoba. Hasn't played golf in a month. And last week was absolutely putrid at the Sony Open. John, who's hot and who's not for you?
1: So, um, well, guy who's not hot for sure. Abraham Anser um, was, was- – Trying to trying to get uh, uh anything 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 better than missing the cut at this entry. He made the cut, um, but he ended up finishing close to um the bottom, if not at the bottom, um, of those list of champions um, two weeks ago, and then he missed the cut last week. And his putter hasn't been um uh, up to par uh, with the rest of his bag. Uh, but at the same time, T two he's still gaining strokes. The putter just hasn't been um working the same way. But this event is it's kind of funny Because I don't know what the odds maker is going to put this this man at because um he he's he's consistently coming in the top 10 at this event. Um he's a Bermuda grass guy, he loves the Bermuda grass greens. It should fit him well. Um but at the same time, his game's not where uh it it should be. Um but when when you're looking at a guy like Answer, that really hasn't mattered that much in the past. We've seen this guy miss a cut come back the next week come top 10 et cetera. so I, I really don't think it's going to be a massive issue so if, if the odds are good on answer um he's definitely a guy to look out for um, but if if they're not and the odds makers are like oh this is a guy who's had repeatable success maybe he might be a guy you want to stay away from Um, and who's hot taylor gooch obviously um, was leading the fedex cup standings for a time Um, i don't believe he's at the top anymore Um, we should actually look that up the next break that we have Um, but he's a guy who's hot he's even if the course isn't fitting him he's coming in the top 20 Um, but realistically most of these courses are going to uh, be right in taylor uh, taylor gooch's wheelhouse um, for the remainder of the early part of the 2022 season
0: to answer your question here, actually. Um, looking at the FedEx Cup standings, first of all, Abraham Answer currently comes in plus 2,900 across the sports books. Um, as the winner here at La Quinta, in terms of the money leader and the cup points, Matiama currently, currently leads uh, with 1,153. Taylor Gooch right on his coattails at 930. Sam Burns, 776. Cam Smith after his insane week at Kapalua, 731. Sunjay M, 718. Hovland, 581. Kokrak and Max Homa in seventh position for 573. And rounding out that's by Lucas Herbert and Matthew Wolf at 519 and 511, respectively. Again, and 20 plus 100 across all sports books to possibly win at this event. Very well could be a get right event where he's had plenty of good experiences here in the past. We're going to take a, a final break when we come back. Beer money, prop picks of the week by pickup. It's going to be a great time. I have a pick who I, I told John this before the uh, before the show. I might take him top twenty. I don't really know
1: yet. And if I do, I have, I have, a, have, no good, I have do a good business. feeling that that this is going to be like a Justin Thomas top twenty situation. No, no, no. You tried to pull, you tried this man last year. Where we had we had an episode, and he tried to be like, "Yeah, Justin Thomas hasn't been playing well. He had a couple missed cuts. I'm gonna pick him like top 20. And I said, "Hell no, you're he not." Seventeenth. So
0: like it, like like it's it, 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 it was a great bet. All I'm saying is if I end up taking this guy top 20, I have no business having a podcast. We're taking a short break. Folks, you're listening to the Get In The Hole podcast on a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts.
2: Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available To the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional big four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box Podcast. Talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. (laughs) You already know. (laughs) I think that's we, how it we always went, goes. went like 45, 45 news, like, minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> right. What about. are we doing? <laughs> about- um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Kestner, and we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today.
0: Robbins, time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to the again the whole podcast, part three of three. We're starting it off with our prop bet picks of the week, according to our according to our friends over at PickUp. PickUp play the headlines. You can bet these on your phone. Just put in your phone number and get betting with PickUp. John, we're going to start off with our first uh, with our first prop here—a matchup of past winners. Andrew Landry and Adam Long both went 26 under par in 2019 and 2020, respectively. Who will have the better week, Andrew Landry or Adam Long?
1: That's that's obviously this is a tough one. We had two past winners, like you're saying. I'm going to go with Long simply because um, I've I just I've just seen his name um, along more leaderboards than I have Landry. Um, both of these guys. Um, should should be able to find their way to towards the top of the leaderboard. Um, even though that they have had success here in the past, it definitely um, fits them well. You know, you, you see some top 40s, you see some top 30s um, when you look at their past history here. So there's no slam dunk, but I'm going to go with that Long.
0: I'm taking Landry here has a little bit better up on the odds boards coming in with two straight made cuts. I'm taking I'm taking Andrew Landry. T- second prop of the week. We're going over with a four ball play here. A bunch of guys. Who are Currently, odds out at plus thirty-two to thirty-six hundred. Shadis Power, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, and Russell Henley. Last week's big loser of those four, who's having the best? Who's having the best week?
1: This is so tough because um, I don't think I'm gonna pick Reed. Um, so I'm, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll him out. I'm gonna roll him out. Um, Henley, I do I do want to pick Henley because um, he's he's been putting a lot better recently. Um, obviously, he's one of the best iron players in the game right now. Um, with with how his putters going, I can definitely see him easily coming top twenty or better. Power and Gooch are just both too hot to, to kind of bet against. Um, so I'm going to go out of Power and Gooch after eliminating Henley. I'm going to go with Seamus Power. I'm I'm going to go Taylor Gooch, and I'll
0: tell you more about that in our beer money picks. Our third prop this week: Corey Connors led the field last week. Uh, in fairways in regulation, over or under 71.5% on total fairways this week at Ooh. La Quinta.
1: I'll go over because a, a lot of guys, even, even, even though you know we know the rough isn't penalizing, the, the, like I said, there's going to be a lot of guys clubbing down just because it makes sense on a lot of these holes and a lot of these situations. Um, if Corey Connors is clubbing down, he's already accurate with the driver. Um, if he's hitting three-wood or hybrid off the tee, he's going to be put in the fairway. Um, so I'm going to go over on that, even though 71 is a really high number. Um, we're talking about one of the best guys um, off the tee in all of golf. So I'll go over. 71 is
0: a high number, but last year he finished number one on the PGA Tour. Where the tour average was was only 59.6, he was hitting 74% of his fairways. So I, I'm going to actually take the under here this week, though. Had a pretty good week at the Sony Open. I don't think it's going to correlate very well here. He's a very accurate player, but he might be thinking a little too much about hitting the fairway as opposed to actually making it there uh, to to try and go for the win. Fourth prop here field average on birdies or better. Over the last five years, players have converted 27% of their birdies at La Quinta Country Club. We're going to go over under 25 and a half. The number has been gradually decreasing over the last five years, but the average is 27. Are we going to go higher or lower than 25 and a half?
1: I could feel pretty comfortable with going over, if especially with the average that like you said is at 27%, even if it's decreasing. Um, I, I say with with the way these guys have been playing the last two weeks, um, with the record-setting week we had two weeks ago, um, I really do see a lot of these guys. I'm betting the conditions probably being um, pretty optimal, not that much wind interfering, like we were talking about earlier. I'll go over on that one.
0: Field average, again, 27%. I'm going to I'm gonna join you there on the over. I think there's no way uh, that, that we don't find a final score somewhere in the 25 to 26 range uh, like we have seen in the past. I'm going to join you there on the over. Speaking of that final winning score, the most recent winning scores 26, 26, and 23. Over the last seven years, the scoring average to win at this country club is 24. Are you going to go over or under 24 and a half strokes to win at the, at the Amex,
1: I'm going to go over on that as well. Pretty much for the same reason that I said uh, for, for, for the last question. Um, these guys, with the way these guys have been playing the last two weeks, we've seen so many record-setting things, so many birdies rolling in. Uh, if the weather conditions are average at best, I see them going over. Um, or, what well, technically is it under? Hold up, Did we just do we just do we just figure something out here? All right, well, well, well <laughs> yes and no. Um, <laughs>
0: Over under 24, over is like 25, under yeah, yeah. 24. So
1: we're going we're going with the over on that one there. Uh I guess in golf terms you would you would say you would say under. I don't I don't know, but we're we're going Whatever. with the, on that one. Over. Um uh, better. We'll say better than 24 and a half strokes. I'm gonna actually go
0: I'm gonna slide right under here at the under. I'm gonna say it's gonna be exactly 24. Uh it's gonna literally hit it. It's gonna be like an NFL line. And uh Vegas is never wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go 24 flat on the dot john pushing over to our beer money picks brought to you by our friends over to kenwood beer philadelphia's number one and favorite light beer kenny gainwell had a big score for the eagles last week yeah, unfortunately yeah. the eagles are out of the playoffs boo hoo but it's okay because we're gonna make you some beer money this week I-, I lopped in two big ones with power and henley last week i think the two uh two win advantage <laughs> so far over the course of the 2022 22 season Let's see if we can turn turn that around for you, John. Your top twenty at the MX.
1: But I, I'm actually I want to hear your top 20 first because you 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 brought it up you brought it up and you said you said no it's problem. this whole big thing it's this whole big thing so I really I really do want to know what what you have in store for me here. Before All
0: right, I so my- so we talk about course, horses for courses and and it's probably one of my absolute favorite um, terms to use. I'm going Michael Thompson. Last week finished tied for fifth at the Sony. Has played really well, has has back-to-back top 15 finishes, uh, including this top five. Very well could have played better had it not been for a couple of bogeys early on in the week to get his grinds going. I'm going Michael Thompson for a top 20. Newly bearded too, uh, and the beard seems to be working magic. I'm going with him.
1: Dude, I got Michael Thompson too for a top 20. That's hilarious. God damn it. So the, re- the reasoning is he's playing really well. Like you say, he just finished top five. he, he He's been top 10 in strokes game, teach to green um, in, oh, yeah. in the, the, his last event and his last two events. Um, so I got, I got a lot of trust in him coming into this event, especially when just last year he came top five um, and has two top 10s in his last three appearances at the Sony Open. So yeah, Michael Thompson is is a completely fair bet. Um, I, I, really, I really like his chances to come top 20 at those odds too.
0: Who's been the guy who's been on, on absolute fire at, at making top 20s? It's Taylor Gooch. I'm taking him for a top 10 this week. Taylor Gooch, despite going coming 27th at the Sony over his last five rounds, has has carted has carded scores under 70 over the last two tournaments 68, 70, 67, 67, 67, 66, 66, 69. It's like me with a bad stutter. He's <laughs> absolutely on fire over the last three weeks, won the RSM. 15th at Kapalua. I'm thinking Taylor Gooch for a top 10 this week. There's no way in hell I would not slip up on Gooch at such good odds.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. For my top 10, um, I'm going to go with Sung Jin, a guy who has a little decent amount of success at this event and has been playing pretty well. Um, I believe he finished top 15 at the century tournament champions. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but he's 16th in strokes again. It was last year. He was 16th in strokes again off the tee. Um, the 50th best putter on tour over the 2020, 2021 season. Um, so that checks off my two boxes. Um, he's a great iron player um, and he's a top 50 putter. So I'm looking for him to definitely make a push, maybe even to win it, maybe even to win it, um, but definitely making a push for the top 10. And so now who is your top five, Steve-O?
0: So top five this week, yeah. I mentioned guys who are long hitters will have a advantage at this golf course. Um, actually, at, at all of the golf courses, uh, and I think it's a very good opportunity that 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 this guy who's a accurate hitter and a and a long hitter will manage to figure things out. So long as the flat stick works in his here I'm going Tony Finau. He's up towards the top of the board. He isn't the hottest pick in terms of uh, guys who are really good at putting the ball. Um, but at the same time, I think I think Tony Finau is going to be able to hit him straight, hit him far. Have some have have a nice low club going into the green. I to go
1: Tony Finau. Very nice, very nice. I was I was thinking about Tony for this. Um, so I was about the, the following three players: Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler, and John Rom. And I was like, all right, Tony Finau. I don't know if I trust him. Uh, John Rahm, he's a really well, really John good Rahm's player. John Rahm's gonna be your
0: winning pick because he is every week. So.
1: He's not going to be my winning pick, actually. Finally. Um, I, I was, I was going to pick him for this. I was going to pick him top five, um, but it's kind of too much of a slam dunk for me to pick him top five. Um, so I'm going to go with my man, Scotty Scheffler. You were talking about it. Um, a guy who absolutely bombs it off the tee, but has decent accuracy off the tee as well. Um, he's a, he's more of a strategy golfer than people give him credit for. That's definitely what's going to be the recipe for success this weekend. Um, I like Scheffler for a top 5 I'm not super confident about it, but there really wasn't anyone else. Um, who who was that caught my eye that much when it came to a top five? Um, now for the gimme, I know there's a lot of guys catching our eye for the gimme. I want to hear who you got for your uh, gimme pick.
0: So the gimme was where this pick was going to happen. Um, this uh, this suspenseful pick that everyone was like, "Oh, is Steve going to take it or not?" Um, because you have Scotty with top five. I'm not taking the pick because I have Scotty to win this week. I'm going to go yeah. Matthew Wolf for a top ten. A guy who is accurate, wow. straight, a good hitter, and really good recently with his short irons. I think Matthew Wolf's going to be really good. I'm going to throw this other gimme out there, and I'm going to put a unit down on him this week because I'm because I'm confident He's... enough that he might do well. I'm, I'm wondering going to go with is. Phil Mickelson for a top 30 this week. <laughs> I told you notoriety golf is really important to me. A guy who's very well-known but has been eating ass on the PGA Tour the last six months outside of his one miracle at Kiowa. Phil Nicholson for a top 30. It's almost a slam dunk here. He's played really well at La Quinta. He loves his, he loves his time here. Has a beach house five miles from the course. I am going to go Phil Nicholson for a top 32 as an alternative bet. I'm, I'm going to give you guys for fun on the side.
1: Oh, I love it, Steve. I love when you give the people a fun time.
0: And to be- I am here. For, look, hey, I am a firm believer in minimal sweats and winning bets. Phil Nicholson.
1: And to be fair, Phil Mickelson did, did did play decently well, wasn't didn't, didn't open anyone's eyes at the century, When he played he played he played some decent golf and he made some birdies just like everybody else. Um my give me pick of the week uh, is gonna be a guy you already mentioned for the same exact reason you mentioned Taylor Gooch. I'm gonna pick Taylor Gooch's top 20. Um he's just so so consistent with, 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 with those top twenties. Um and given given how how well he has played um and how well uh he fits the course and everything you said. I don't want to be a dead horse. I like Taylor Gooch. Um, he he's going to surprise us toward the end of the year. I know he only has uh, this this kind of early early year hype around him, but I think he's still going to be one of those guys who's who's hanging around the FedEx top of the FedEx Cup standings by the end of the year, and not just one of those guys who kind of wins wins a tournament or two um, and then it falls off.
0: So I I already made mention do it. I'm thinking Scotty Scheffler to win this week. Um, there, there's going to be a point that Scotty Scheffler wins a PGA event. It's going to be this week. He hits it straight. He hits it far. Um, In terms of the actual golf course, first of all, there's no one on the PGA Tour who has more rounds of 62 or lower than Scotty Scheffler. And this kid's only been around here for three years. I think Scotty is going to be a prime candidate here to hit it far, hit it long, have some really good putt opportunities for some birdies and better. He's also one of the better players over the last 24 rounds in par three scoring Scotty Scheffler is going to finally get the win, and it's going to happen on the coast of California. It's going to be all him, and he's going to be going to the Hotel California happy. Scotty Scheffler for the win.
1: Now, my winning pick is a guy who I almost picked to to be like the Titans, but I ended up not picking him earlier on in the show when we were talking about an NFL team comparison to a professional golfer. Um, But this particular guy is a guy who came uh, tied for second in this event last year. Um, he had a strong finish two weeks ago at Kapalua. Um, top three player in the world, top three putter at this event, um, and he had a good, very, very good track record at, at, at this event. As well, and that is Patrick Cantley, not John Rom like I normally uh, do with, the, with these kind of events, as um, these random events then the of the year where Rahm is is the favorite. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley. Um, he's he's been uh, kind of he's a quiet guy, but he's 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 been quiet this year. Um, but he's been playing well. I really do think he's going he's going to break out. Um, he played well two weeks ago at Kapalua. Um, I think even even though he had a week off, he's going he's going to continue that. That strong uh, showing he had, and I finished off last year with uh, with FedEx Cup. Um He's at the top of his game right now. I expect him to be uh, have, uh, I don't want to say a record putting week, but he's going to be uh, one of the top five putters this week, and I think that's what it's going to take uh, to win this event, in addition to his great game, Tito Green. Very, very consistent player. Patrick Cantley to win this event. Uh, what do you think, Steve-O?
0: I'm excited. This is gonna be, this is gonna be a strong week. I'm hoping this Phil bet hits. I I was looking at the numbers for it, and I'm just like, the guy's finished top three here multiple times. He has the ability to go low. My only question is, he's he's probably gonna wind up spraying it all over because he's because he's more he's he's turned into the uh, the poor man's Bryson DeChambeau and wanted to just hit it, hit it far and not really care about the accuracy. He goes, I'll figure out the rough stuff later. Um, I don't think he'll go any lower than 20. I thought about top 20. Uh, I cannot go any better than a top 30. And if yeah. they had the option for, for, for a top 25, I would teeter on it. Um, but after Maverick McNeely finished 27th this past week, the number is so volatile um, for, for really anywhere in golf. Golf betting is so hard to do uh, that mm-hmm. if you actually are confident in somebody to go in, in a certain place, um, like Corey Connors, a lot of people had him top 10, finished 11th because one guy, a.k.a. Samus Power, Chose to make one clutch putt on 18 and push the whole field back one slot and really and, and totally screwed over Corey Connors. So that's, hard, that's another guy, too. Seamus Power, watch out for this guy. He's 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 managed to take his game, learn from a lot of really good players, and has now kind of built himself into a powerhouse, uh, kind of guy. He's using his body, using his force. I'm also, I, I might throw a unit early on power for a top 10 again, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't double up all, on him this week. I wanted to kind of get a, uh, Diverse portfolio, if you know what I'm talking about.
1: Nah, I hear you saying everything. Power and Gucci are two guys we talk about a lot. Two guys last year that we saw get consistently top 20s, top 20s, top 20s, top 20. Um, with that, with relying on their iron play, um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised that we're still hearing about these guys. And I think, like you said, we're going to be continuing to hear about these guys. They're going to make some noise uh, down the stretch in this 2021-2022 season.
0: Well, I am very excited to get to bring home some more beer money. Put a lot in my pocket this past week with the Matsuyama line with the Henley top 20 and with Power Top 10. That's yeah, going to do it all for us here a a little shortened episode. Uh, we actually we actually ran through this really fast, but it's going to be a dominant week. Catch us on Sunday for another live stream. Hopefully we're going to get a really good matchup, possibly Scotty Scheffler and Cantlay in that final group. It'll really come down to the wire, but that, that's going to do it all for us here on the get in the whole podcast. John Mavalia, Stephen McAvoy. We'll see you next time on Sunday for our PGA live stream live from the 19th hole. After this, we're staying in California. We're going to the farmer's insurance open and it's going to be haywire the next few weeks as the PGA tour finally ramps up here in the mainland. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the get in the whole podcast a part of the underground sports Philadelphia family of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf shout out to our sponsors over at Tomahawk shades and Stateside vodka for all their support in making underground sports, your go-to place for all things sports The get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia releasing weekly a part of the underground sports Philadelphia family of podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time. Get in the hole.